0: Welcome back to Rough in the Basket, everybody. I'm your host, Noah Burnt, accompanied as always
1: with my co-host, Brendan Carr. How's it going, Carr? How's, how's life going? Busy. Um, busy life, you know, getting to the point of my final college semester where it's really starting to pick up. So busy, but I'm very excited to talk about some more NFL news. A lot more has happened since the last time we recorded, obviously, and just excited to get into it. Yeah, we recorded.
0: Uh, well, we actually recorded fairly early last week, but then you know, we just had so much going on, me and Carr collectively, so we uh were able to edit it a little bit late. I put in a little bit note about Devontae Adams, we'll touch on that in a second. But Absolutely. the biggest news of the week by far was Deshaun Watson finally gets traded. We finally know who it is, and you know, like the whole Deshaun Watson situation kind of makes me lose trust in like analysts because they're every, everywhere, every news outlet. Everything, man, was saying, oh, Browns were the first team out. There's no chance they get them. It's down to two teams. I think it was Carolina and New Orleans. New Orleans, or like yep. And then out of nowhere, he gets traded to the Browns, and it's like three first-round picks. I believe there was a second or third attached in there. Just a whole bunch of stuff for him. Big trade, huge trade. Probably one of the biggest things I've seen in a long time, Um, especially because this is a guy that's young, 24, uh, 25, 26 years old, in that range, in the prime of his career. I mean, he was in an awful situation a few seasons ago, was able to still put up uh, like 33-6 and, and six or something like that. I mean, this guy is a freak of nature athlete. I think this is a huge move for the Browns. However, there is a big dark cloud hanging over the head of Deshaun Watson right now and the Browns, and that is the accusations, of course, which are still out there. And we don't know much about that still. We don't know how the NFL is going to judge that. I mean, every case with the NFL goes their own way. But the main takeaway I got from all of that is, well, one, Browns don't trust Baker Mayfield, and two, Browns are fully invested in this guy. Given a guy that hasn't played in a year, um, $230 million, guaranteed, 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 money. guaranteed when he still might be – I mean, at this point, they're saying it's not going to be criminal charges. We'll see what happens. But he still has accusations – That are very strong attached to his head and they gave him 230 million guaranteed might be suspended the year. We don't know, which is crazy. But I mean, I think this move could work out for them if everything else clears. But at this point, that's a big if, but Go big or go home.
1: My reaction, kind of the same thing, where you know we kind of thought, oh, Panthers and Saints, or Saints and Falcons, I should say, Saints and the Falcons were really the two teams that were kind of walked up towards the end. I really thought he was going to the Falcons based on what I've seen, but here he is with Cleveland, and you know, Cleveland ended up giving him what no other team could have, which is 230 million dollars guaranteed, which is the most guaranteed money ever for any NFL player of all time for five years 230 million what's nice about his contract which I like is I think only in the first year it's a one million dollar cap hit which would signify if you were to get suspended for the entire season the Browns really don't take on like that much of a cap hit with that with only just a million and then the rest of the contract obviously speaks for itself but if everything goes to plan if he ends up playing this year or whatever if it's going to be in 2023 depending on what happens I mean the Browns got a franchise quarterback and the only worry that I would have with it is paying a guy that much money sometimes you kind of put yourself in cap hell because how how do you build the rest of the team right because you don't have as much cap space as you would have when you know you don't pay your quarterback as much and we've kind of seen that like We've seen it with Aaron Rodgers, where he gets all this money and the Packers really haven't been able to have much success. You know, we've seen it with Jimmy Garoppolo at the time when he was paid a substantial amount. We've seen it with Russell Wilson. We've seen it with these quarterbacks where they get these large contracts. And we really haven't seen that team success fall after that. For the Cleveland Browns, we'll see. But, I mean, what the Browns are getting with Watson is a guy who, he's still 26. He's been a pro bowler three times. The last time he played in the NFL in 2020, he led the league in passing yards with the Texans. And you know, his record may only be twenty-nine and twenty-seven, but I feel like it speaks volumes what he was able to accomplish with the Houston Texans team that is so dysfunctional. When they have Bill O'Brien running the show, Jack Easterby, he's still there, but Watson getting the opportunity to go with Cleveland with, you know, Amari Cooper, they traded for, you have a really good offensive line. You didn't give up Nick Chubb, didn't give up Kareem Hunt, and you still have your defensive guys with Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett. You still have that same core, and it's Kevin Stefanski, who who I think is a good head coach. I think you can have a lot of success there, and I think the Browns would be firmly in that mix in the AFC North to win that division. And we'll let's see what ends up happening with this situation. How long do you get suspended for if these civil court cases get to him?
0: Yeah, like the thing with Watson is you don't have to bring up stats, you don't have to bring up um, anything to justify his performance of play. Everybody knows he's an amazing athlete. And when he's healthy and when he's out there playing football, he's a top six, top seven quarterback in the NFL. There's a debate. He's not, num- he's in the top five already. I mean, this guy did so much during his time with uh, the Texans and don't again, the only concern I have is the accusations and also what the Browns are giving up for him. The Browns are giving up a lot. They're giving up their whole future. Uh, not, not just the draft picks. Honestly, the draft picks are the least of my worries with this. It's just the money that they're giving him. It's like, We've seen that happen before, where teams just become so um, handicapped—you uh, know, no pun intended—where they where they can't uh, use the money and their cap to be able to buy free agents because they just are so constrained with one guy or two two contracts. And I think this might be a case where down the road this will happen with the Browns. Um, again, if they win a Super Bowl before that, then I think that's forgiven, and I don't think anybody should really care. But the the question is, I think they have about a three-year three, three year window to win a Super Bowl now, and, uh, I mean, if, if anybody thought Baker Mayfield was going to be the backup, then, well, that definitely went out the window when they signed J- Jacoby Brissett, so, yeah, I mean, Baker Mayfield is just kind of there now, waiting for his way out, and uh, it's coming soon, maybe, if anybody wants him, but... I mean, hey, if Robert Woods got traded for a six-round pick, man, Baker Mayfield, the Browns are going to have to throw in a six-round pick to just send him off somewhere for, like, a a bag of cashews or something.
1: Yeah, with Mayfield's situation, it'll be interesting. I know he wanted to go to Indianapolis, but we'll talk about what they ended up doing to fix their quarterback situation in a little bit. But Seattle, I know, had some interest in him. The Panthers had some interest, but I guess reportedly backed out. So, I don't know. Baker Mayfield's market seems like Seattle or he just might flat out get released. And if that's the case, what team takes a stab at him? I've seen this, the Pittsburgh Steelers actually being reported as a team that could go after Mayfield if he's released, which would be kind of funny, him going from Cleveland to Pittsburgh. I don't know Baker Mayfield at this point, you know, last year he had the injuries, but I think me and you both are both on that Baker Mayfield isn't that great of a quarterback train. And He just hasn't really proven anything up until this point. And the only really good thing I like about him is he can rip the ball. He's got a very strong arm, but decision-making is not great. Um, Holds onto the ball for too long, just kind of makes some dumb passes. And, you know, I think his cockiness kind of gets to him too. He's just kind of – he can be an infectious leader at times. Like, obviously, like, some guys will want to play for him, but at the same time, like, you got to back it up. And he hasn't really been able to back it up since the playoffs when they beat the Steelers in the playoffs and had that really good season. But we'll have to see. And it's going to be really interesting. I know Kevin Stefanski's offense is very conservative. They're a run first team, obviously, when you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But I would let Deshaun Watson air that ball out. And we'll see what they end up doing, if they can get some more receivers to come in through free agency. Because, I mean, really all they have is Amari Cooper, David Njoku at tight end, and like Donovan Peoples-Jones. So, you know, you want to get another receiver in there for, for sure. But I think Will Fuller ends up going there just because him and Watson are step-for-step step in Houston. They were a great connection. And, you know, Will Four still out there. It would make sense for him to go to Cleveland. But we'll see what ends up happening with this Watson and the Cleveland Browns saga and see if it ends up in the Super Bowl. I do agree with you where I think they do have the Super Bowl window. And especially when you give a quarterback... A 230 million dollar contract that's fully guaranteed, you're expecting to win a Super Bowl and you have to do it.
0: Yeah, it's Super Bowl or bust, in my opinion, for them. I mean, they're going all in. Um, I think the one thing with uh Baker Mayfield that's relatively interesting is that you really look at the teams that still need a quarterback, there's not that many. I mean, yes, there's there's always room for improvement in the NFL. And there are some teams which quite frankly, I don't think they have good quarterback play. For instance, right the Giants. I think the Giants could potentially be a suitor for Baker Mayfield. I mean, I don't know. I've heard them say that they like Daniel Jones still, but again, that clock's ticking. He's injury prone, although they did sign another guy this week in uh Taylor. Taylor. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know about that, but then again, um, you know, it wouldn't be the first time we saw three guys who used to be starters play for the same team. Shout out the Bears from last season. Well, I mean, Justin Herbert was. I was going to say
1: real quick, yeah. my problem with that Baker Mayfield would get ripped apart by the New York media. I I don't think it would be a good relationship because you know how Baker Mayfield kind of is, kind of how he carries himself. You know how the New York media can be with their players. I don't know if that's a good fit. You know, like we were talking before this, right? And I said,
0: I kind of have a hot take. I don't know if he's going to be a starter next year, which I think towards the end of next season, even at the start of last season, I think. Saying that would have been absolutely uh, crazy. I mean, to say that Baker Mayfield wouldn't be a starter in the upcoming season, it, it just sounds wild because this was a guy coming off of a season where he had 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I mean, the Browns uh, were a, at least competitive. They, they seemed to be headed possibly for a Super Bowl. I mean, I thought at the start of the season, they had one of the best odds of in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl if everybody just stayed healthy. And uh, I mean, sure enough, the majority of that team was healthy. The, the running game was great. Nick Chubb, um, amazing. You know, Odell, people thought we're blaming it on Odell and then Odell gets released literally for nothing goes uh, and wins a Super Bowl, and he contributes almost every game, you know, and yeah. it makes you think like the one thing I, I really didn't like about Baker Mayfield was just how ignorant he is. You know, I look, man, let me, like, let me just say this. I love, People who are confident. I love what, when when quarterbacks believe in themselves. I love when players believe in themselves. But I think when you have a game where you throw for like three interceptions, one one touchdown, and you have like 120 passing yards, and and this was something that happened constantly last season. Maybe not the three interceptions, but he would have like one touchdown, two touchdowns, uh, 100 yards on like 10 for 20 22 passing. It was just it was pathetic, right? And he just wouldn't put the ball down the field, even though he has a strong arm. He has all those characteristics that you want in a quarterback. However, when you are facing a podium, you are in front of the media and you don't say, you know son, this was my fault. I made mistakes. We need I need to improve as a leader. I need to get better. And it seemed like there was times where he was just throwing people under the bus. Like, why did Odell's dad, you know, try to get him out of there, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield. And now Jarvis Landry's probably uh, – did he get released yet? Yeah, I, I haven't really kept up with that. He's been he's, released. he too. too. You had two wide receivers who were in their prime, and you couldn't get it done with them. Two great wide receivers. Jarvis Landry, people forget how good he was a few seasons ago. This guy was a uh, 100 uh, receptions a season. For like two or three straight years, I'm pretty sure he was he was close to that number all three uh three or four years uh, consecutively. As
1: reliable as it could get, right there, exactly, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, and he even showed
0: it with the Browns at some points. But it's just, I don't know. I think when it, it comes to down to the point where it seems like everybody, a lot of people at least on that team are criticizing Baker Mayfield pretty openly. There's there's a problem, and th- that's something where. I definitely think that there's not many teams that really want him, um, especially just because there's so much talent at the quarterback position right now. And if there's a guy and he's, you know, at that 31, 32 or or even 27 spot in terms of being the the top NFL guy. So like uh, a guy that's on the, you know, 27 to 32, like fringe starter. It's like those type of QBs don't have that much wiggle room, especially because you have new guys coming in. You have, guys who, I mean, we're going to touch on Marcus Mariota soon, guys who are backups who showed at some point they have starter potential Um, or even Mitch Trubinsky, you know, I mean, he showed at times that he could play football, especially against the Detroit lions. And uh, (laughs) so when he went to Pittsburgh, I mean, he signed for a pretty healthy contract, Um, even though there's no guarantee he's going to be the the, the long-term solution, but there's so, so little room for error in the NFL at the quarterback position. And when, you're, you're having a season like Baker Mayfield did last year and you never really proved that you were carrying the team. It was always the team's carrying you. You know, your, your leash is slim. And I think we're starting to see that this, if Baker Mayfield does not get a uh, starting quarterback position next season and, you know, maybe something happens, an injury occurs and and he's there and, and he has another shot and he does not play well, this is the end of Baker Mayfield being a starting quarterback. Like, I, we are so close to seeing the end. I would presume right now that he will probably be a Seahawk next season, just the way that things are going. But then again, I mean, you you never know, maybe they, uh, they already got their eye on somebody on the draft and they're like, you know, something we got drew lock, who we could put in there day one, he's an experienced quarterback, not that great, not that good kind of a a bum, but you know maybe they view him at the same level of baker and they they think why give baker a chance when we can just throw drew lock out there he had some success at some certain points um why don't we just see how he does and uh then draft the quarterback and then you know give him a few game leash and then pull him out and start the the rookie you know
1: yeah that's the thing and i don't know i just i just don't see where baker mayfield can really be a starter next season except for the Seattle Seahawks and. You know, it just seems like, you know, Falcons got their replacement for Matt Ryan with Marcus Mariota. The Panthers have kicked the tires on Baker Mayfield from what it seems like Saints will re Jameis Winston. Like, Colts obviously have Matt Ryan. So, you know, these options are kind of starting to become swim for Baker Mayfield, and I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll just have to see. My prediction is Seattle. It just seems like that's the team that's getting linked to him the most. But, yeah, I mean, Baker Mayfield's NFL career, it's definitely in a weird spot right now and can't say for certain that after this upcoming season that he is going to be a starter again. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, he'll be, if he can still be a backup quarterback and still be a very good backup quarterback, but I don't know. He has the arm talent. He just hasn't put it together and just not too sure what, you know, what his future is going to hold. I just, I I think Seattle makes probably the most sense for him and the best chance for him to, at least compete for a starting job
0: yeah for sure man um yeah we'll we'll see what happens with that but you know you brought up uh some something kind of interesting that's uh, the whole matt ryan situation yeah. you know, matt ryan was traded to the colts uh, ending his falcons tenure which was full of uh full of successes and full of uh failures i mean 28 to 3 uh you know shout out tom brady <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of I guess what he's really his career was highlighted on. I mean, look, he, he's had so much success in in the Falcons just to be a quarterback for, you know, 12 years for a franchise like that's a success in itself. Like we just talked about Baker Mayfield not being able to find a starting job potentially. It's like I mean, he, he did have a lot of successes there. And when you look at he is a borderline Hall of Famer. However, we kind of had a disagreement about this part yeah. of the show. I I think five years ago would have been a massive upgrade over Carson Wentz, no debate about that. Nowadays, man, I mean the numbers indicate otherwise. You know, like Matt Ryan last year had twenty touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. Carson Wentz, although you know you can make the debate, maybe Wentz's situation was a little bit better. But I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't really see it. I'm not too sure. Um,
1: we'll see. But the cult the Colts is a way better situation than the Falcons, man. Because, I mean, all right, think about it. Colts have a better offensive line, have a better head coach, have a better defense, have a better running game. I would even say a better receiving corpse. I mean, Calvin Ridley missed a lot of last season. Like Matt Ryan was throwing it to Russell Gage. Like Kyle Pitts, you know, obviously he's a great player. But I don't know. I I What I think about this situation is Matt Ryan, I think, is an upgrade over Carson Wentz. And here's why you can look at the numbers and stuff like that but matt ryan what he's going to do is he's not going to lose the game go back and watch the colts games towards the end of the season carson wentz lost the colts those games carson wentz lost the game for the for the, the colts against the jaguars it was carson wentz like he's still that quarterback who makes these dumb mistakes and yeah he he's got a gifted arm right he's got a great arm you know he's that prototypical big bulky quarterback you know, that has those tools, can do all those things, but he has not been able to put it together since really that MVP season, that MVP esque season that he had with the Eagles. And, you know, reportedly, he's not a great locker room guy. He's not a great leader. He was pouting that Nick Foles was taking the Eagles to a Super Bowl and he wasn't when he was injured. Things like that are just kind of pointing towards Carson Wentz really not being that guy. And, you know, I know when we talked about him getting traded to the commanders, we both kind of had our questions of why both teams made this move because it kind of didn't make sense for both sides because we know Carson Wentz is not a great quarterback and the commanders missed out on Russell Wilson. And we were thinking, what is the Colts' backup playing a quarterback? They really don't have one. But I think Matt Ryan, I think he's still an above-average quarterback, two-average quarterback. I think he's in that tier still, and he still has some good football, I think, left to play. His situation has not been great. Matt Ryan's an, a class act. He's been putting up with bad Atlanta teams for a long time now. Since, since really, you know, the, when they got to the Super Bowl, that was really the last good Falcons team. And he's been, you know, putting up with a bad offensive line, a bad running game, losing his best receiver in Julio Jones, and all these other things. And all the Falcons did for Matt Ryan was did him a favor to get him out of, the, of Atlanta. But you traded him for a third round pick, which is just. It's laughable for the Atlanta Falcons to get rid of literally probably their best player in their franchise history for a third-round pick. So, I don't know. I just think it's an upgrade. Matt Ryan provides a couple of years of solid quarterback play for the Colts. We're still a team that is competitive. They're going to be a team that will make the playoffs, I think, or be in that playoff conversation. They're a competitive roster. I think they could definitely win the AFC South with Matt Ryan, because Matt Ryan is not going to lose you a football game, unlike Carson Wentz, who's going to make one or two or three mistakes where you scratch your head and be like, Carson, why did you do that? Why did you throw that pass? Matt Ryan is – he doesn't have to be a superstar, but he'll be a game manager and a good one at that. And I think he can take the Colts into the playoffs and just kind of be a two-year guy until the Colts eventually find their franchise quarterback – Whether that's they trade up in this draft or they might not have the assets in this draft, but they may trade up in next year's draft when the quarterback class is a little bit better. So just a lot of things there. And I think Matt Ryan's an upgrade over Carson Wentz and just gives the Colts a chance to compete when their roster is definitely ready to win now, in my opinion, and just think it's an upgrade. And I think it was a good move for the Colts to make in that situation. And I think Matt Ryan was the best upgrade they could have gotten over Carson Wentz, quite frankly. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield were that much of upgrades over Carson Wentz. They were upgrades, but I think Matt Ryan is better than all those quarterbacks at this point.
0: All right. I, I'm, I'm just going to say this. So over his last nine games of last season, he had a grand total of five touchdowns and six interceptions, and he did not hit 200 yards five times. That's why I'm really doubting that he can, he still has value. Look again, a lot of that was with, without uh, Calvin Ridley. Like I understand that that may be a factor, but he did have Russell Gage who's a solid, solid guy, you know, and then you, you had Cordell Patterson who was so involved with the offense And, I mean, Cordell Patterson a few years ago was an afterthought, but he's reinvented himself as being a um, a, really a flex between a wide receiver and a running back. Kind of uh, fills the position similarly to what Christian McCaffrey does, but in in a less great, uh, flashy type way. But he's an exciting player. And, uh, you know, they had Kyle Pitts as, you know, you're, you're a big Kyle Pitts fan. I feel like those three guys take all the excuse out of him losing Calvin Ridley. I don't know. That's just my my take on it. I think Matt Ryan has been a great player for a long time, but now I wouldn't even know if I would call him a good player. You know, I think he's definitely getting up there, and we're seeing his decline even faster than um, Ben Roethlisberger, to be honest, um, in my opinion at least. But we'll see how that works out. Um, but you know, the Falcons did get another quarterback as well, and uh, they ended up signing Marcus Mariota, who. If you've listened to this podcast, you've probably heard me say before that I thought that this was uh, one of like maybe three or four guys that could get a second opportunity being a starter. I've been excited to see Mariota get a second chance for a while, and although this is not a guarantee he has a second chance because his contract is is fairly small, not getting paid that much, and they could definitely bring in somebody else as well. Um, this is a, a chance for him to at least show that he could be a starter in the league, maybe win a uh, QB battle and uh, potentially be the starting quarterback for this season I personally man I think this is an upgrade for the Falcons just because of the scheme that they're going with you know like I mentioned Cordell Patterson who has become a very exciting flex wide receiver running back whatever you want to call him and I think combining him and uh, getting a, an athletic quarterback like Mariota and combining those two and making their their offense completely different than we've seen it ever really um or or since Michael Vick really um and and having something like that where it's a real um it's just every every play you don't know whether it's going to be a run or a pass whereas in the past it's been a little bit more uh clear what's going to happen but now it's like you have two guys in the background uh the background the backfield who are absolutely explosive um and I'm excited to see this honestly I think this is an upgrade in, in the system that he was in. I think this is an upgrade from Matt Ryan. Uh, but then again, there's no real proof that he is going to be the starter next year. So, did you say
1: Marcus Mariota is an upgrade over Matt Ryan?
0: I, in this situation, I think so, just because he's so athletic
1: oh and he, he's getting
0: paired with Cordell Patterson. Hey, this is the one thing that we don't agree on yet, Robin the basket. Oh We're, my God. We'll, we'll see, man. We'll see during the season what happens.
1: We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Marcus Mariota hasn't started in two years, you know? So, We don't know what he is at this point, but I think the Falcons are they might be one of the worst teams in the NFL next year. I really think that because I think Marcus Marietta personally is a little bit of a downgrade over Matt Ryan right now. If you if you want me to, I can read what their wide receiver corpse is looking like right now. You You know what's so
0: funny? I literally just did that. And they had like three guys that are signed and I've never heard of any of them.
1: All right, so I, t- I put out a tweet last week. The receiving corpse for the Falcons, if you want to exclude Kyle Pitts from this conversation, are Olamide Zaccheaus, Frank Darby, Chad Hansen, Christian Blake, Austin Tremell, and Braden Winius. That is the receiving corpse for the Atlanta Falcons right now. That's what Marcus Marota is going to have to rely upon to beat corners. I don't know if that's going to work. And Zacchaeus yeah, exactly. for the win. Zacchaeus, yeah, Zacchaeus is the wide receiver one right now. And with this team, they don't have a great offensive line. I mean, Cordell Patterson was great last season. Kyle Pitts, obviously, I think is going to elevate him to too. But the offensive line is not great. You don't have a receiver right now. And their defense is atrocious outside of A.J. Terrell. I think they're going to win maybe three games, three or four games. But oh, we'll see what they yeah, do in right. the draft.
0: That's fair. At this point in time, I'm not going to say, but look, I think, they're kind of putting Mariota in a situation. I don't want to defend the guy that hasn't started in two years, but I mean, you kind of just did that without even thinking about it. Cause I mean, their wide receiver core is, is like, that's reminded me of the lions wide receiving core from last year prior to Josh Reynolds getting there. And then also prior to Amonra Brown, St. Brown, whatever his name is, the guy that got a really good wide receiver for the Lions. So I'm going to learn his name. Eventually I have Amonra,
1: Amonra St. Brown.
0: Well, that guy go. is about to be the face of the franchise for the lions. Uh, he's, he's actually making, uh, Jared Goff look like he doesn't suck. So that's something, but, uh, I mean, hey, and just saying that there, I mean, that shows you that that the, the situation, the pieces that you really have around a quarterback can make or break a quarterback. I mean, the great ones will always figure it out regardless of what they have. But the good ones, sometimes they struggle to figure it out
1: when they have, when they're given Takias as a number one option. <laughs> <laughs> it's laughable um, right now. Even the Packers yeah. who lost to Monte Adams, which we'll get into, like Alan Lazard's better than any of those receivers on that team. So it's really bad right now. Falcons have the eighth overall pick do they take a receiver maybe but they have so many holes where it's like they can probably wait to take a receiver later on it's just a rough rough receiver corpse that is atrocious i don't i don't think that's going to be the receiver corpse headed into next season i think they'll address it in the draft but my god it is who like i don't think any of those receivers would be even number two receivers on any other team maybe I don't think number, they would be number three. three. Yeah, they might not even be number three. Like, it's a real argument. So, uh, the Marcus Mariota, like, good luck. I'm happy he's getting his starting job, you know, after sitting on the Raiders bench for two seasons. But, God, this is not a great situation. I mean, you're with your former head coach, former offensive coordinator, and Arthur Smith with the Titans. I don't know who you're throwing it to, besides Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson.
0: Yeah, it does look a little bit hopeless, but – Going into that, you know, talking about another wide receiver, Devontae Adams, my boy. You know, I've I've come to love Devontae Adams and the fantasy points that he would deliver to my <laughs> team. Like, look, I I talked to some people about this, and from what they're saying, they're they're saying overall that they like the situation, they like the fit. They think Derek Carr is stable, a uh, stable quarterback that can get the ball, provide yards. Um, especially like look at Hunter Renfro last season. You went from being a guy that nobody really knew about to. I mean, he should be, at least after last season's performance, um, you know, more headed towards a a household name, even though probably people don't. Honestly, if you were to ask people in the NFL right now who Hunter Renfro is, I'm sure there's some people out there that that are like just casual fans who would say he's a defensive tackle. Um, This guy still isn't that known. And he had something like 110 receptions last year, killed it. So many yards, a good amount of touchdowns. This guy really um, picked up the slack when Waller went down for a few games. And now you're bringing in Devontae Adams. And I'm, I'm just scared to see him play without Aaron Rodgers because I felt like the chemistry they had on the field was so solid and it was elite. Um, and now you're replacing that and you're putting him in another situation. And I, I want to see him succeed, obviously, but I think he's not going to be that same guy who would catch 120 balls a year, who would have 1,500 yards a year and would have something like 15 touchdowns a year. I don't think that's the expectations with the Raiders, but well, what are your thoughts on it?
1: I mean, he'll still put up good numbers. I think maybe not like those nuclear numbers you were talking about with when he had Aaron Rodgers, but I mean him and Derek Carr, they go way back being college teammates at Fresno State and Adams and Carr were a fantastic connection at Fresno State. Adams had 233 receptions, 3,031 receiving yards and 38 touchdowns with Derek Carr in two seasons. So they have a connection and I think his numbers would probably go down because you have Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and even Josh Jacobs out of the backfield who are going to get targets. But I mean, Devonte Adams provides that element that the Raiders have really been lacking is that guy who can be that number one receiver. They've had Waller who's your tight end, obviously. And then Hunter Renfro is a slot receiver. Brian Edwards wasn't really getting the job done. Zay Jones had like one 100 yard game last season. He got paid by the Jaguars 10 million a year. Uh, but it's just with Devontae Adams going to the Raiders and them giving him a big contract, which is well-deserved. I mean, he's earned the right to be paid as the number one receiver in the NFL um, up until this point. I think it's fascinating that the Packers offered him, I think they either offered him more or about the same. And he decided, no, I want to go play with the Raiders. And Aaron Rodgers knew that Aaron Rogers knew that when he signed the contract with Green Bay. So I think that's really interesting. I don't know if it was, Adams was just kind of done being in green Bay and he wanted to go to a better city in Vegas to play with his basically his, one of his best friends in Derek Carr, or there was just some rift between Adams and Rodgers, or Adams in the front office or the coaching staff, whatever it may be. I know Adams had threatened to hold out if he didn't get a new contract because he was franchise tags, but I'm excited to see this. And this is, just the element that the Raiders needed they needed that number one guy they needed that guy who could win off the line of scrimmage they needed that guy who was a precise route runner from the out on the outside position at the x receiver they needed that guy who could go down the field Adams is a complete package at receiver and now you have that you have that element to your offense and the Raiders offense is going to be great their offensive line's a little bit bad but when you have Waller when you have Hunter Renfro when you have Adams and you have Like you said, Derek Carr is a stable quarterback. He's a good quarterback. I had him as the 10th best quarterback in the NFL last season. That's how high I am on him. It's going to be fun. Uh, In the AFC West as a whole, it's just absolutely loaded. The Raiders were kind of that team, like the Chiefs, who weren't really making a lot of big-time free agency splashes. They make the splash for Devontae Adams, and now they add that element to that offense. I cannot wait to see this. And I think it'll end up working out. I don't, like I said, I don't think it'll be Rodgers and Adams numbers because Adams was literally the only receiver <laughs> on the Packers. So his numbers may go down, but he's still going to provide exactly what the Raiders have been whacking really since Amari Cooper was there, was that number one receiver. So very excited to see how this plays out in a Josh McDaniels wet offense.
0: Yeah, man, this is the year the, the Green Bay Packers have to take a wide receiver. If they don't take a wide receiver in the first round, like WTF, bro. What? Oh, WTF? <laughs> like, dude, you're, you're throwing – you want to talk about bad wide receiver situations. Their wide receiving core is the, the all-time great, Alan Lazard. You can't oh, forget about Juwan Winfrey or Rico Gafford. Bro, that sounds like one of those uh, Key and Peel sketches. You know what I'm talking about, the East versus West? Yeah. They're like, they're, they're like, uh, Zinjo May away. Florida State,
1: <laughs> dude. I'm so like, dead. Oh my bro, god. That, it really
0: sounds like it, man. It's like, what the heck? Like, and, and sometimes they use real players, so it's actually kind of funny. Uh haha Clinton disc was uh he was yep. on haha Clinton disc former yeah. packer. Yep, yeah, it's mad funny, bro. Watch that out, watch that if uh you guys haven't seen that. That's yeah, actually see a that really one funny thing to watch. But, anyways, um going back to real football here you know, I, I think it's concerning for the Packers. Like I talked about last week, how I, I'm scared the Packers are going to have a regression, which their regression is still going to be winning their division. However, I mean, their uh, momentum going into the playoffs, like I said, the last three years have been great, even though they've choked, it's been great headed into the playoffs. But this year, I think that they might actually be an underdog facing a team going into the first round of the playoffs. Um, I think that Again, like Devontae Adams, I mean, it was just such a big part of their offense. He he literally was their entire offense. And now you don't have a wide receiver to throw to That's like that. That's that dynamic. I mean, maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers can create something out of Alan Lazard. I don't know. But I just don't know what they're going to do, really, especially because there's not really that many wide receivers available right now. By the way, thank you for that fact about Devontae Adams. I actually had no idea about that. I did not know he went to Fresno State, but. I mean, that kind of gives me a little bit of hope as a uh, fantasy holder of uh, Devontae Adams because he's had a connection with uh, Derek Carr before, and that probably goes even deeper than Aaron Rodgers because, you know, he's boys with him in college. So I think that's huge. And um, again, like you said, the numbers are going to go down, but I still think now reevaluating everything that he could still be a solid wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I mean, for the Packers, I just, they have to do it. And I think they have the 28th pick. It's a pretty good receiver class. I would even double up. I would take a receiver one in first round and second round. Like, you need receivers for Aaron Rodgers. I know there's some holes on this team. Uh, Darius Smith is gone. So you lose a premier pass rusher, and, you know, there's some other, obviously some other holes on this team. But you cannot go into week one of the season with Alan Wazard as your number one receiver. With, I mean, Marcus valdez Scanton's a free agent. I know they're thinking about bringing him back, but what is he really besides – a one-trick pony who could just go deep. Amari Rodgers, they drafted in the third round last year, who's kind of like that SWAT receiver who can get some yards after the catch, but really isn't anything else besides that. You need some receivers. And luckily, there's some good receivers in this class. I would would seriously consider doubling up. I would go receiver round one, and I would go receiver round two. Like, you need to get receivers and... Or just attack the free agency market. Jarvis Landry's still out there. I know that was a, a potential landing spot. Give him a call and bring him in. You know, there was in, obviously some injury problems he's had, but he's still, I think, a pretty reliable receiver. He's not that outside receiver like Adams is, but he's a good SWAT receiver who's tough, who can go over the middle and make some good catches and just be a reliable guy. And Packers just need all the help they can get at this point. You can't be throwing wide receiver screens to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and throwing the ball to... Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyan and like you you can't do it. You need a receiver and with the NFC as open as it is, Packers need to capitalize on that and get Rogers some help. You have to at this point.
0: I mean, if they don't go wide receiver round one, I again what, what
1: the heck? Like well now what? they'll have two picks, I think, right? Because now they have the Raiders pick. So they have more than one. They have to do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, hey, they haven't since what was it, nineteen ninety, what two thousand one? I don't remember exact year when they did, but it's been—I think it's been something like twenty years, twenty plus years since they've drafted a wide receiver in the first round. So, so yeah. With that being said, you know, I think we touched on everything. I mean, the AFC West is going to be absolutely insane next year. I mean, Chandler Jones is entering that division on the Raiders. You have uh, Khalil Mack. Now, Raiders, Khalil Mack going to the Chargers, um, I mean, dude, that division is going to be crazy. Like, I think next year I might just exclusively watch the AFC West just to forget about the NFC North, man. I don't want to think about that division. I don't want to think about the Lions. I just want to have peace in my life, you know, and I
1: feel like doing that. Make every single AFC West game prime time. Let's go. Dude, honestly, though, for real, I mean, they're already out in the West, like – It'd
0: it'd be perfect time, you know. Started off at 8:30 here, and on the East Coast, 5
1: 5:30 there. But hey, man, who cares? You know, absolutely. It's gonna be fun. It that division is just so loaded, and all these teams have really stacked up. I know the Chiefs really haven't done much, but they're still the Kansas City Chiefs. It's gonna be really fun to watch. But thank you guys so much for listening to Rough in the Basket this week. You can follow us on Twitter at Rough the Basket. Follow us on Instagram at Rough in the Basket. You can follow me on Twitter at bcar underscore 13. You can follow Noah on Instagram at burnt 37 Noah, have anything for the people?
0: Uh, well, I do have one thing to say, man. The Lions so far this offseason have literally signed nobody except uh, DJ Shark, yep. who is the Jags' best wide receiver. So with that being said, you know something? I'm happy about that because they are not repeating their past errors, you know, hint, hint, Jaguars, uh, for, you know, signing money. I was signing a bunch of guys on all this money, all this cap space, but then you're just going to have bad contracts for years to come. So at least they're not doing that. Maybe they make no moves, but I'd rather have no moves
1: than bad moves. So hey, there you go. You'd rather have no, no moves than bad moves. There's the lesson of the day. I like that. Put that on a t-shirt. I'll hit up TJ Alvin. Thank you guys (laughs) so much. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. And we will see you guys next week. Peace out.